Yeah, I'm doing a lot of shows here. I'm doing a lot of shows lately, but I got a lot to say. And I want to kind of continue a topic that I talked about recently, which is when people suddenly, if not change their language, they adopt new words. When suddenly out of nowhere, large groups of people in particular, not just a random individual person who, say, reads a book and they start using new big words, not just that, but when large sections of the population suddenly start using a new word and using it often. It's almost like the same sort of phenomenon, like somebody, a college freshman, they start school in the fall, and they learn all these new ideas, and then they go home for Thanksgiving, and at the Thanksgiving table, they're just, they're throwing out all these big words they learned, all these new ideas. They're educating their family, they're educating their Uncle Jerry about communism, you know, and they just learned it. It's that, it's also that same, that that new... In, like I, I've just always used the example of like when I first started meditating, I just I couldn't shut up about meditation. Oh, you got to meditate. Oh, you, you, you ever hear about meditation? You know, when something is new to you and it's exciting or interesting, you want to talk about it all the time. Same thing with people in your life. When you have a new friend you're really excited about, you're like a little dog. You're just so happy that you know this person and you just can't stop talking about them, especially if it's a new romantic relationship. Oh, Genevieve, oh, that's, it reminds me of something Genevieve said. You know, it's, it's that same sort of effect. It's anytime something is new to us, we are excited by it. And not necessarily excited as in happy, but just excited as in excitable. We have energy to put toward that word or idea. And we also kind of want to let people know that we know about it or that we do that thing. You know, that's kind of what people do when they when they won't shut up about a new relationship, when they won't shut up about Genevieve. Genevieve, I don't for whatever reason, Genevieve is the name that I've chosen. Uh, but when someone has a new relationship, one of the reasons they won't shut up about it is because they want people to know they have a relationship. They want people to know they have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whoever. And uh, they want people to know they're meditating. They want people to know that they've started jogging, playing guitar, whatever it is. You know, and it's cute. You know, it's easy to kind of get annoyed by it. It's easy to kind of see it for what it is. But you also have to see it as cute because we are kind of like little dogs who are excited when we get a new toy. You know, I love it when Batty gets a new toy and he runs and gets it and he brings it in and... You know, he hasn't really done this with me, but his previous owner told me he loves to show off his new toys. So I guess that's kind of what he does when he runs over and gets his new toy and he runs in the room. We like to show off. We like to talk about something that's new to us. And the same is true for ideas. You know, the college freshman who goes home and they just they're telling their family all about that, all about that stuff they learned. Um, but it's the same for words. And ideas, when something is new to us, and that's sort of what we're seeing happen with groups of people right now. And, uh, you know, I used the example of y'all, where the memo went out. I don't know who sent the memo out, but the memo went out that now's the time for coastal, coastal white Americans to use the word y'all. Use it. Use it or lose it. Use y'all or lose y'all. 
It's my version. Use y'all or lose y'all. It's very difficult to say. It's a tongue twister. Use y'all or lose y'all. Um, but uh, that, w- that was the example I used. But another example that I wanted to bring up, which is really the reason for this episode, is gaslighting. A term that I hesitate to even say, we're hearing it so much. I mean, it's almost like we're being gaslit by the word gaslit. I think we are in a lot of ways. And gaslighting first kind of came into the conversation a number of years ago. I don't remember the exact year I heard it. It was probably almost 10 years ago. It was probably almost 10 years ago that I first heard it used the way it's commonly used now. And it's used specifically to refer to kind of this misogynistic, you know, a husband psychologically manipulating his wife by making her think she's crazy. It came from a movie, I believe, where I think it's the gas lamps. The gas lamps are flickering or going off or something, and the husband makes his wife go crazy by telling her that they're not flickering or not going off. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the the name... The namer. I haven't seen the source of the the name gaslighting, and I don't. Probably, most people probably haven't. That's the funny thing about anytime an idea like that takes off, and it's referring to, to something in a movie, especially an old movie. How many people who use gaslight every day? How many people who yeah? How many people who gaslight each other even know? You know, I haven't seen it, but it's an idea that makes sense. It's something that we can recognize, and people do do that. And I'm sure husbands do it to their wives, boyfriends do it to their girlfriends. Uh, the way that it was, the way that that idea was introduced into the modern conversation was very much based on this idea of men manipulating women. And I'm sure that happens. I'm sure that men do that to maintain control, to manipulate the women in their life. But it's something that everyone does to everybody. It's one of the most intuitive and basic ways that you can psychologically manipulate another person is to make them question their reality. And it's not something either that I think that I don't at what point did men, you know, speaking of sending memos out, at what point did men send a memo out and say, here's how you gaslight your wife. You you know, if if your wife's being a little bit unruly. Here's how you gaslight her. You know, I don't know when that memo went out. I don't know when some father taught his son how to do that. You know, you could say maybe a, a kid observed his dad doing that to his mom, but with with how widespread this idea is believed to be and how one-sided the conversation about it is, you'd think that it, there was some sort of organized effort to teach young men how to gaslight women. But the reality is everybody gaslights everybody all the time. And it's always cute when the right wing learns a new buzzword from the left. Because the left, you know, the right wing never would have heard of the term gaslighting if the left hadn't used it as often as they do. And now we're seeing the right wing use it a lot. They're making fun of it, but they're also, I've heard many times in the last, especially the last few months, but definitely in the last few years too, it's increased over the last few months with the right, with right-wing pundits and opinions saying, you know, the le- I think the left is trying to gaslight us. I think, the lib- I think the liberals are trying to gaslight us. You know, I've seen that a lot, and it's funny when the right 
learns a buzzword from the left and kind of mockingly uses it at first. And the next thing you know, the right wing is using it in earnest. They're saying, like, the left is gaslighting us. And that happens with everything. I mean, I used the example in the episode uh, about when I was talking about people adopting words. I, I was talking about the word tight instead of cool when people started saying, that's tight synonymous with the word cool and I was saying when my friends and I started smoking pot in high school how we started to jokingly say tight it was kind of mocking the idea like oh yeah that's tight that's tight (laughs) yeah but over time the more we mocked it the more we parodied the word tight guess what next thing you knew we were saying it in earnest And I feel like that's sort of what happens when the right wing picks up on a buzzword from the left. They're like, oh, you gas, what you, what you doing? You gaslighting? Are you trying to gaslight me? And then like a month later, they're like, do you see what they're doing? They're, they're, they're gaslighting. You know, it's like, it's just funny how, how quickly it becomes the new real, it becomes real to people. And, uh, you know, virtue signaling, I feel like that phrase, which is a very good phrase, and everybody virtue signals. In the same way that everybody gaslights each other, everybody virtue signals. As soon as you express an opinion that you believe in and you feel is morally upright, you are virtue signaling. But the question, you know, the question then is, you know, is is it consistent with your character? Are you virtue signaling? Can you back it up, basically? Everybody's gonna virtue signal. Like to give an opinion at all is to virtue signal in some way. Uh, and to be a human, to try to navigate this insane world is inevitably going to lead to you being gaslit and to you gaslighting all kinds of people. I would say this, every girlfriend I've ever had has gaslit me. And I'd be willing to bet that I've gaslit every single girlfriend I've had in small ways and big without realizing it, because it is the most intuitive and basic way to kind of deal with someone. You think about in a relationship, you know, one of the, a common source of conflict is like, are you mad at me? And then someone's like, no, no, I'm just tired. It's like, well, you're, you're dismissing everything I say and criticizing everything I do. Meanwhile, giving me no emotional validation, it kind of seems like you're mad at me. Someone's like, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad. Now I'm mad. You made me mad. And it's, it's like, no, they're mad. And by telling, when you're mad at somebody, when you're mad at your significant other, and you tell them that you're not mad, you're gaslighting them. And women do that all the time. It's to the point where it's like a stupid, like, archaic practically stand-up comedy routine like i know when my girlfriend's mad at me and she starts to uh when she gives me that eye you know it's like it's such a common stand-up comedy routine that it's even making a mockery of that stand-up comedy routine you know isn't enough it's so common but uh it's it's one of the it's it's just everybody knows about that and but that is a form of gaslighting anytime you try to deny a reality in an effort to like shut somebody down or prove them wrong basically any effort to undermine someone else's reality and sometimes it's just a defensive thing sometimes we gaslight other people because we're just trying to kind of defend ourselves or we are tired and we just don't want to deal with something so we just say like leave me alone no i'm not mad 
And what we mean is, I just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Sometimes that's what someone means, you know? Sometimes it's like, it's not worth discussing why you're mad, so you just want to shut down. And it's pretty harmless. And, you know, politicians gaslight us all day long. Friends gaslight friends. You know, I was just saying, like, every girlfriend I've ever had, we've gaslit each other. Every friendship I've ever had, we've gaslit each other. Every stranger I've ever passed by, <laughs> I'm sure. You know, strangers do it to other strangers all the time. It's not even something you you just do when you're intimately close to somebody. Parents do it to their kids. Parents gaslight kids. And guess what? Kids gaslight parents. We act like that's a one-way street where... Kids don't do anything to undermine their parents' sanity deliberately. Kids are, oh, they're just angels. And yeah, I mean, parents have, you know, a lot more power. Physically and mentally, they have total control over their kids. So obviously it's worse when a parent fucks with their kid in some horrible way. But kids do horrible things to their parents, too. I mean, kids, I I mean, I, I, I know people as I stammer, but I I know people who had wonderful childhoods where I had a clear view of their childhood, and I'm not going to name who they are or anything, but I've seen where some people have had really damn good, at least relatively speaking. You know, there's no perfect childhood, but I've seen people who, relatively speaking, have had wonderful childhoods, and they, they managed to find, maybe their therapist helped them, but whatever it is, they managed to find some excuse to hold a grudge against their parents for the rest of their lives, and their parents are constantly trying to fix it. They're kind of trying to find out, like, what did I do? What did I do to him, to her, that she, she's so resentful, even though she's this old now, even though she's an adult? What did I do? And, uh, you know, it's that's it, a, a form of kind of gaslighting your parents. It's like making them think they did something horrible to you when they didn't, and now they're just just trying to find out what it was and fix it. But, of course, parents do it to their kids all the time. It's actually a, a very common manipulation tactic in any—I th- I feel like any parent, if you, if you manage to raise a child without gaslighting them, I feel like that means something's wrong. At some point, you're going to have to gaslight that child. And that's my, that's what I, if I actually, if I had the audacity to tell people how to raise their kids, I would say, well, first thing you got to do is you got to gaslight that child. But it's something you see happen where kids are like, oh, my eye keeps twitching. And the parents like, no, it's not. Just keep eating. You know, I'm sick. No, you're not. You have to go to school. And sometimes, of course, you know, it's it's true. The kid is lying or the kid is just looking for attention. But sometimes parents just have had it. And it's just kind of like, just, no, it's not. No. Of course, you should listen to your children, of course. Then you gaslight them. Listen and then gaslight. But it's something, like I was saying, I'm not even joking. Like, even strangers do it to each other. I mean, that's the source of a lot of conflicts in general come basically from gaslighting. I mean, there sometimes you'll not even cut somebody off in traffic, but somebody's just having a bad enough day. So the fact that you turned onto the street that they're already driving on is enough to cause road rage. And that's kind of a form of it as well, where it's like, you cut me off. And it's like, I was half a mile ahead of you. You're just in a bad mood. 
No, I'm not. You know, it's something, it's just the minefield of human interaction is fueled by gas. It's fueled by gas, folks. They're gas, they're little gaslight bombs everywhere. And yeah, politicians do it to us all the time. Any, basically, anytime you lie to somebody to manipulate them, that is what somebody's talking about by gaslighting. And so it really, I don't know, it's strange to me that it's, that it was at least introduced as such a gender-specific phenomenon. And maybe somebody would be able to explain to me why that's the case. I mean, it's certainly true that men do it to women. Men who are, have some sort of authority or power, you know, the traditional husband or patriarch, they no doubt did that to women in an effort to control them. But I guess that, to me, is kind of putting blinders on to the rest of the phenomenon, which is that everybody's doing it to everyone else all the time. And when people right now are in this little verbal battle, and, like, if you get on Twitter or anywhere like that, you'll see it where if you look at left-wingers, they're like, the right, Trump is gaslighting us. Trump is just gaslighting all of us. You know, and then the, the person on the right is just like... Antifa is is gaslighting us. You know, it's just everybody's saying the same thing. Everybody's like, and, and it's such an annoying response because, I mean, how about you work on, you know, clear a path for yourself so that you know what you're seeing is real. And yeah, if you're stuck with somebody and they're constantly, like if you're locked up with somebody and they're constantly telling you up is down, you know, I understand where it might take its toll. But, I mean, you should have some confidence. You know, you should have, you know, and I say this specifically, like if you're a kid being raised by parents who do that to you, I get that it's going to be much more devastating on your psyche because you don't really have anywhere else to go and you don't really have any other points of reference because you're born into this situation and it's like this is your world, living in this house with these people. And even if you kind of know it's wrong, you know, what are you going to do about it? Um, but, uh, but when people are adults and, you know, if if you know somebody's lying to you or trying to manipulate you, you just go, oh, okay, I'm not giving you anything else from me. Oh, it's a politician and they're lying. They're doing what they always do. I mean, lawyers do it professionally. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm above lawyer jokes and I would actually like to become a lawyer. I think I feel like uh, a lawyer is is something I would enjoy doing. Um, but uh, so I'm I'm above lawyer jokes. But that said, you know, lawyers they're professional gaslighters as well. You know, that's what a good defense attorney does. It tries to convince people that something didn't happen that did. You know, it's how justice works. Is it's it's how, it's the devil's advocate can very much be sort of a form of gaslighting too where it's like you know somebody needs to speak up for the other perspective and I understand that that's getting kind of out there um, but but still just even going back to the idea of gaslighting is just this petty form of manipulating another human being undermining their sanity so that you can control them so you can manipulate them it's just, it's so rampant, and it's, it's almost like that phenomenon of noticing things that I was talking about, where it's like once you become aware of something, you start noticing it everywhere. 
And that's why the word is so common right now. The reason why people, people have learned this new word that describes a phenomenon that is going on all the time, but they want to believe that it only applies to their interests. And that, and, and in doing that, in saying that only certain instances of gaslighting are gaslighting, you are actually gaslighting people in doing that. In trying to say that some things are gaslighting and some things aren't, even though they revolve around the same method of manipulation and lying and twisting reality, in saying that they that it only applies in some circumstances and not in others, you are actually gaslighting everyone that you're telling that to. So it's funny. It's like you can't escape it. You can't not do it, it seems like. Uh, to simply try to make an argument of any kind sometimes requires a degree of gaslighting. And we're even at the point, you know, where we we don't take people at face value. And we're seeing that a lot now where someone can say something and someone says, well, that's not what you really mean. That's not what you really mean. Oh, it's a, it's a dog whistle. Uh, I didn't even want to get into this one. And I, don't, I haven't really thought about it much. But it's another one of the new words that people have used. The, the three new words that people are using just constantly right now, and I, I hate to even talk about it today, but here we are in the world today. Here we are, I hate to talk about it today, but here we are in the world today. That's what every news every newscaster should start out by saying, you know, I hate to talk about this. I hate to even say anything. If I was a news anchor, I would start every sentence with some kind of like, I, you know, I don't even want to be saying this. I don't even want to be talking about this, but I just gotta. Um, but... The three terms that you know you're just hearing constantly right now are gaslighting, astroturfing, and uh, dog whistle. And dog whistle is the one I was just going to talk about because I'm seeing it a lot now. Where, oh, he said this. It's a dog whistle for the so and so. Oh, he said he wants to put the Bible back into public schools, but it's a it's a dog whistle for white supremacy. It's like maybe. Maybe he is a white supremacist, but maybe he's also a fundamentalist Christian who's obsessed with putting his religion into public schools, like he said. That's why sometimes sometimes you need to take people at face value. You can't be a conspiracy theorist about everything. And with the dog whistle thing, it's funny because you think about what a dog whistle is, as we all know. It's something that is so high-pitched. It's such a high frequency that the human ear can't pick it up. Only a dog can. And so if you're able to pick up and identify a dog whistle, you would have to be the thing that is being... You'd have to be the desirable audience of that dog whistle. So if you can actually recognize a dog whistle, it must not be a dog whistle. Because people will say, oh, it's a dog whistle for white supremacy. Well, it's like, well, if you're picking it up, doesn't that make you a white supremacist? Because shouldn't it be a frequency that only white supremacists can hear? Oh, I get it. You're such an expert that you can identify dog whistles for groups that you don't belong to. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know everything. That's right. You know everything. You're a human being in 2020, and you know everything. I get it. I get it now. You know, it's 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 that kind of idea where it's like, oh, you're an expert. You figured it all out. 
you can hear dog whistles that weren't that you're not you're not even the audience you're not even the you're not even a dog and you're hearing dog whistles that's amazing it's a dog whistle for antifa it's a dog whistle for so it's a dog whistle for boys who want to play baseball it's a dog whistle for video game nerds You know, everything's a dog whistle, right? No, I'm not going to go there with it. I don't want to undermine my ga- everything is gaslighting point by saying everything's a dog whistle because that's not true. But it's just it's a new word that people learned, and when someone learns a new word, they want to use it. They want to use a new word because it's exciting. Again, it's exciting to know a new word and to know what it means and and how to use it and. It's it's the same thing, you know, with just vocabulary. Like if you took vocabulary in school and you learned a new word, it's like you're looking for opportunities to use it. And it's especially true when it's sort of an incendiary, when there's an incendiary political component to a new idea or word, you especially want to use it because you know that it's potent. When you can look at something that, you know, President Trump says and say, oh, it's a dog whistle for right-wing militia white supremacists, supremacists. You know, you want to be able to use this new exciting word that you learned. And then astroturfing is another one, which I, you know, I believe it's the idea that, here I am just explaining these buzzwords, but I believe astroturfing is the idea that something that appears as a grassroots movement is in fact controlled by somebody, uh, somebody in power, Maybe it's somebody who has money, you know, maybe it's some sort of organization or a political group. Basically, something that appears to have just come from nothing. It's just the people. This is a movement of the people is actually being controlled by somebody who has some level of power or wealth or influence, and they're hiding it. And I'm sure that happens all the time, and I mean, it, and it's difficult to tell when it even happens, because... I mean, sort of like what we're seeing right now with the far left movement, where it, it was really like a week. After a week, all the corporations joined in, most of them. Trader Joe's didn't. Trader jo- Joe's did not give in. They released a statement, I believe, today or yesterday about how like their, um, their ethnic variations of the Trader Joe's name, like Trader Jose and Trader Ming's, which they use for like Chinese or Mexican food that they sell. They were like, that's not racist and we're not going to change it, which I've always liked Trader Joe's and that makes me like them more because it's, it's silly to give in. It's weird to think that simply referring to other ethnic names when you're selling an ethnic product is somehow hateful or, or prejudiced in some way. It's just, it's such a distortion uh, of everything, you know, just it's it's a, almost gaslighting. It's like no, 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 it's actually racist, you know, and that's a form of gaslighting as well. That when everything becomes racist, and I, I hesitate to even get into this, but it is, it's like no, no, no. What you mean? You're actually racist. And when someone says no, I'm not. Yes, you are. You know that whole idea. It's like that's a form of it, and that doesn't mean that those conversations should never happen. 
It doesn't mean you should never call somebody out for being hateful or prejudiced. But, uh, you know, anytime anytime something develops that much momentum, and again, somebody's out, like, people have suddenly come around to the idea that this idea that's been brewing in liberal arts colleges for 20, I mean, maybe decades, but definitely since I was there, since I was in school, but this idea of, you know, systemic racism and, you know, like when you learn about that stuff, it becomes very easy to identify racism in everything. Because it turns out people are very prejudiced. And the history of man, the history of humankind, is filled with bigotry and prejudice, and it's everywhere you look. Kind of like gaslighting. It's you really if if you want to find it, you can find it anywhere. But you can also find it in places that maybe aren't the best examples. Or you can kind of twist your own reality to where you're no longer seeing things as they are. You're basically gaslighting yourself. Because we I didn't even say that earlier, but it's true. You know, if you can gaslight your significant other you can gaslight your friends, if you can gaslight your parents, and and your parents can gaslight you, and if you can even gaslight total strangers, well, guess what? You can gaslight yourself for sure. And that might be the worst of all. That might be the most common and the worst. Both the most common and the worst. That's bad. The most common and the worst. But it really is, because that's how you lose all sense. That's how you lose all perspective. Because at the very least, if your intuition is clear, you know, if you're, if you've developed any sense of inner confidence, no matter how much someone tries, you'll always know the truth, whether you're allowed to say it or not. And I get that if you're trapped in a situation and somebody with a lot of power over you is continually telling you the sky is black sky it's not blue it's black although it is at night it is but uh you know if someone's telling you that the sky isn't the color that you're seeing and you're trapped i mean i guess you know you can psychologically deteriorate to the point where you actually start to believe that and you no longer have any confidence you know you can break a person's confidence to where you can tell them anything and they'll just go along with it but it's so important to keep that inner confidence, you know, to hold on to yourself. Because otherwise you do start to gaslight yourself. And I mean, it's good to second guess yourself. I mean, I do it constantly. I mean, it's, you can, it's almost a Zen practice to do that. On the other hand, you know, it's sort of that idea where it's like this, and on the other hand, and that can make you feel crazy. If you're constantly second guessing yourself, or you're constantly coming up with a counterpoint to something that you believe in, that can be exhausting and that, that can definitely fuck with you, can definitely mess with you, excuse my language. Um, and I think it's important to do that. I think, it, I, and, and, and that's the thing too, is even though gaslighting yourself might be the most common and the worst, it also seems like it's an important practice <laughs> if you do it in a controlled way, maybe. Because I think you should question your reality. You should question what you think is true. And I guess it's better for you to gaslight yourself than it is for you to gaslight somebody else. 
I feel like I'm getting into the weeds here. Uh, but, you know, it's not, if you know what you're doing, you know, if you know what you're doing and you have self-control, I think you can kind of use, you know, gaslighting yourself as sort of an exercise. But I feel like I'm, I'm not just in the weeds, I'm in the swamp with that one. I mean, a we- there's weeds growing out of the swamp and I'm knee deep in it all. I'm knee, I'm knee deep in everything with that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, gaslighting is something that we all do all the time. Not every waking second, although somebody is. Somebody's doing that. There's somebody out there who that's what they're doing. Uh, but uh, it's just a, it's a strange thing, like, where it's not that everybody's wrong who is saying that right now. All these people who learned that term, all the people on the left who learned it a few years ago and were like, ah, oh, they had a light bulb moment where they're like, that's the name of that thing that always happens. You know, they weren't necessarily wrong, even though they started looking for that thing, even though they started seeking that thing out, they started noticing it, maybe even when it didn't apply. But then when they taught that word to the right wing, and the right wing made fun of it, and then the right wing is now like, actually, you know what? We're the ones being gaslit. We're the ones being gaslit. It's, you're, it's true for all of you guys. I'm not going to say y'all. Use y'all or lose y'all. I'm totally comfortable losing y'all as far as my own life goes. If you're in the South, use it. Personally, I'm not going to use it. But, uh, you know, it is one of those things, though, where it is going on all the time, and you can notice it. But it's also one of those things where it's like anytime someone, it's like a used car salesman, what they do is gaslight you. Anytime somebody's trying to sell you anything, I mean, anytime a customer service person comes up to you and they're like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. Can I help you with anything? I just love to help people. You know, anytime somebody does that, you know, anytime somebody is presenting a false face in an effort to, you know, get you to do something, it's, it's just something we're always doing. We're always challenging reality. We're always corrupting reality. You know, like, I mean, you think about, I was talking about in a relationship where it's like, are you mad at me? And someone's like, no, no, I'm not mad at you. Even though they're obviously mad. It's sort of like the reverse when you're dealing with a customer service person where they probably hate you. They're probably mad. They hate their job. They resent you, customer. And uh, you're like, how are you doing? And they're like, I'm great. I'm great. Meanwhile, they secretly hate you, and they and you know that they're not great. You can tell they're putting on a face. I don't know. So it's it's just funny to me the idea that it's like so much of a, so much of just being alive involves masking reality in a way that not only can make you feel insane, but makes a lot of people go insane. You know, yeah, some people have mental illness. Some people have legitimate, just inevitable mental health problems that they will encounter. Even in the best of circumstances, there's something inside of them that will bloom in some horrible way at some point. And uh, which is a really delightful way of thinking about mental illness. It's blooming, it's blooming like a flower. But there's just so much going on all the time that, you know, 
could and does make people feel crazy and therefore become crazy. Because the longer you feel crazy, the more likely you're to become crazy. Um, so the idea of like pinpointing it though in, in just like one set of circumstances, you know, or the idea that you know only husbands do it to their wives, and it's some, it's something that men teach each other. Men teach each other to gaslight women. When does that happen? I, I don't know. There's so many things that people think are conspiratorial, and I guess this is where I'm, what I'm getting at. The bigger picture of everything right now is it's hit me very hard recently that everybody is now a conspiracy theorist, and maybe it's always been that way, but you think about what I've called the conspiracy theory industry, which is, you know, we know what that is. It's kind of the info wars, the 9-11... You know, and not, you know, it goes back like to JFK, it goes back to like the big popular conspiracy theories like the JFK assassination, aliens. And it, it didn't necessarily used to be a, a kind of a right leaning phenomenon. But I feel like in the last, maybe in the post 9 11 world, we tend to think of conspiracy theory, at least like the niche industry, as kind of this right leaning. It, it tends to, it, I don't know, just the way we think about it is it's, it's more right-leaning. Like it used, to, I feel like it used to be more left-leaning in the sense that it's like, oh, the government and the CIA, I guess it doesn't really, I guess it was more non-political because it, it was just general distrust of the government, a lot of it for good reason. But I don't know, just recently it's become very apparent to me, as it's become more clear that people are, seeing much different glimpses of current events where it blows my mind that some people simply aren't seeing what the rioters are doing in Portland, for example, every night. Like, like that's happening, and there's video footage of it. There's unprovoked damage and violence and fires and you know and it's like that's not even me giving an opinion i've just seen the videos it's it's very clear what the intent is and then on the other side too it's like you know we do have potential government overreach we do have law enforcement doing horrible things in their own right some of it in response some of it just their own their own just twisted existence, you know? It's All of that is going on, and we have proof of it all, but some people are only seeing this or only seeing that, and that then turns into this entire belief structure over why that's happening. And when you go from simply observing things that are going on to developing a belief structure that explains why certain things are happening... It's very easy to veer into conspiracy theory. And I guess I didn't expect, you know, the far left to get as deep into conspiracy theory as they are right now. I guess not the, not the far left, because I feel like the far left is always pretty conspiracy theory oriented. And the right wing definitely is. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I was getting at, is in recent years, it seems like the conspiracy theory industry has been significantly right-leaning. But right now, it's like I'm seeing... I guess what I'm seeing right now that surprised me a little bit is the moderate left becoming far more conspiracy-minded. And part of it is just what they're being exposed to. They're being exposed to 
limited glimpses in the right wing is as well. But I guess I it's it's something I've sort of expected from certain dimensions of the right wing. Whereas, you know, with the left, it's like, I, I don't know. A lot of the moderate liberals that I've known, I guess that, you know, while I don't always agree with them, I've generally trusted their judgment. But what I'm seeing from them now is they're knee-deep, like talking about wading out into the swamp, I just, suddenly I'm noticing, oh, you're way out into the swamp of conspiracy theory, and you now see all of this stuff as some, like, interconnected, um, it's like a string board, whatever that's called, you know, it's kind of, it's what people use to make fun of conspiracy theorists, where it's like thumbtacks in a wall, and then like a, a spool of yarn connecting all the thumbtacks and all of that, but everybody's kind of become that. And I feel like if you can just kind of remove yourself from that way of thinking, of trying to find an explanation, I mean, it gets back to the explanation versus description thing. You should be able to describe what you see and how you feel about it. You should be able to describe what you see in the news, what you see from private journalists, because those exist. Uh, You should be able to describe how you're reacting to it. But where things become conspiracy theory-oriented is a need to explain things, because we don't like not having an explanation. And the idea that we are improvising in the face of chaos 99% of the time is unsettling to people. And even though people are coming up with these conspiracy theories about things that are very scary to them, Simply framing it as a, as a conspiracy theory actually gives those people comfort. Conspiracy theorists, of no matter what their political leaning, they are actually comfort, comforted by conspiracy theory because it tells them that somebody is in control and knows what's going on, and they may be doing something horrible. Because, I mean, I mean do, are there any conspiracy theorists out there who think that people are doing nice things? Which they are. I mean, that's kind of where that's kind of what I've learned in recent years. And not to get all Rob Bresney about it, although I like his perspective. You know, astrologer Rob Bresney wrote a book called Pro Noia, which he says is the antidote to paranoia. It's the idea that people are conspiring to do good. And I I found that book. It was on uh, it was on the curb one night. I was going through a very dark time. And somebody put a, some like hippie new age lady put out a free pile and I just grabbed, I was already, I already read all of his, uh, his weekly horoscopes. I was already familiar with Rob Bresney, but I found his pro Noia book and it, it hit me at the right time in the right way. And it's goofy and it's silly, but I have seen glimpses of that. And there are so many people who are conspiring to do good and they're conspiring because they might not want you to know. You know, even though we live in this culture of outward public philanthropy, where it's like, it's not good enough to donate a million dollars. You got to be seen donating a million dollars. You know, we, and, and there's a lot of people who do it quietly and silently. And there are good deeds that people, there are tiny good deeds that people do and nobody will ever know. They'll never take credit for it. And, that's sort of the same idea of people conspiring for some greater purpose 
And in fact, I think that's kind of what hold, has held society together, you know, as well as it has held together, which is impressive. It's impressive how well society does hold itself together, and that's in large part from the people who are silently virtuous. And that's not to say that people aren't also silently horrible. That exists too. But it's funny how the conspiracy theory industry revolves around nefarious conspiracies. And for good reason, because it's, it's more interesting. It's more interesting to hear about how somebody is secretly funneling money than it is to hear about how somebody's secretly donating money to some great cause. You know, it's, it's more interesting to hear about the bad stuff. It's that negativity bias. But it is funny, though, how, you know, no matter where somebody leans on the political spectrum, independent, they might not even be left-right, they might be completely independent, but they still have this view that somebody is doing something behind the scenes that is going to hurt me and hurt everybody. But yet, that is a source of comfort for all those people, because it, it, it tells them, hey, somebody's in control. There's a plan. I might not like the plan. The plan might be evil. But a lot of people embrace evil because it does seem like a plan. Even if they, even if they denounce evil, there's a part of them that likes to know evil is there because it's, it gives them some sense of structure. And, you know, what I believe is while conspiracies exist, plans exist, heck, even evil exists. I believe people are improvising in the face of chaos most of the time. And that doesn't mean you don't have handrails, it doesn't mean you don't have guidance, it doesn't mean you're not learning how to adapt and contend with chaos but I do believe we are improvising in the face of chaos most of the time. And what appears to be a conspiracy can easily, easily be somebody trying to convince you that they know what they're doing. I think some conspirator, conspirators, I believe that some conspirators, I believe that some conspirators don't know what they're doing either. And they actually want people to think that they're conspiring because it makes them seem like they know what they're doing. So it's this everybody gaslighting everybody once again. Everybody trying to convince everybody of something that doesn't exist or doesn't happen in the same way that people think it does. And that's exactly what gaslighting is. It's, it's the woman being convinced by her husband that the lamps aren't flickering or going out, whatever one it is. Flickering's just a very shorter, it's a shorter version of going out. So you're right on both counts. But no, it's whatever it is, it's like the husband convincing the wife that she's going crazy because by saying, oh, the lights aren't flickering, whatever it is. It's kind of the same thing we do when we're like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I mean, when you say like you shoot a, say you're playing basketball with people and you shoot a three-pointer, and everybody's like, damn, you're good. Dude, you're good. That was tight. And you say, yeah, I am good. You act like you, you do it all the time. Meanwhile, you suck at basketball. But you go, oh, hey, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually pretty good. You're gaslighting them in that moment. You're making them think you're good at basketball when really you just had a lucky shot. 
you know, a pool shark. A pool shark is, uh, we call them, uh, in, in, in modern terms, a pool shark is a, a pool gas lighter. So really, it's, it's not surprising to me that that term took off the way it did. It's not surprising to me that people are obsessed with it, and I probably sound like I'm obsessed with it. And obsessing over gaslighting will probably make you go crazy. Seeing gaslighting everywhere. You know, when you see it everywhere, it can't be good for your mental health. But when you can accept that that's just something that people intuitively know how to do. It's not that anybody, I mean, maybe there's sort of a cycle of abuse thing to it where it's like somebody gaslights you and you kind of figure out how it's done. And so you in turn do it to other people. You know, maybe there's a little bit of that, but I think it's something that we can all figure out pretty easily because it's not that complex. People act like it's very complex, like gaslighting is some elaborate scheme, like it's a conspiracy. I mean, people talk about it like it's some great conspiracy when it's just something that anybody can do at any time. A stupid person can do it. The dumbest person in the world can easily figure out how to gaslight somebody <laughs> for, for, for the dumbest reason in the world. I didn't eat the last bag of chips. I didn't I didn't eat the last bag of chips in the pantry. You ate it. You were you woke up last night and you wanted a midnight snack. I didn't do it. I mean, that's something people do. They gaslight each other over food. That's how primitive it is. That's how you know that it's primitive. It's like I didn't eat the meatball sandwich in the in the fridge. I didn't even see the meatball sandwich. You know, and it's like, meanwhile, you ate it. Meanwhile, you're the one who ate that meatball, the meatball sandwich. And you, you deny it, though. Anytime you lie, anytime you lie, like I said, anytime you twist reality any way, really, it's the same thing. Whether you do it for a petty reason or an important reason or a good reason, because you can gaslight for good, too. You know, you can gaslight, you know, you can do a whole ends justify the means thing and gaslight somebody for some greater good. Maybe the, maybe your significant other is, is having health problems, and if they ate that meat that meatball sandwich, it could potentially cause them indigestion. And so by you eating it, you're actually helping their health, helping their health. And uh, they don't realize that. And so you were gaslighting for good. You were gaslighting for God. Some people do that. Some people gaslight for God. I would never do that. I would never twist reality for God because God doesn't require that. You know, you don't need to twist reality just to help God out. He doesn't need help. He doesn't need to help him that way. You know, because it's sort of the devil's currency. Gaslighting is sort of the devil's currency, and it's you know, because the devil's responsible for everything big and small too. You know, not everything, but the devil's responsible for like tiny infractions, as well as the most horrible crimes. <laughs> but uh. You know, it's just it's something that you can see everywhere, and if you've learned that word, you'll have a tendency to use it. It's a new word. It's exciting. 
But I would say try to use some reservation. When something is new to you, be excited about it if it's something that's good for you. If, if you've learned a new word that is somehow interesting, that stimulates you, that makes you think in a new way, use it. But if it's a word that's just an excuse to point your finger, if, it's, if it involves you know some convoluted... I don't know. I mean, it, it just if you learn something new and you're using it just to like scream, just to, if you, if your soul is just screaming and it's coming out in the form of that's gaslighting. Maybe hesitate. Maybe sit on that word. Maybe try using that word only when you feel that it's really appropriate. The same goes for dog whistle, the same goes for astroturfing. The same goes for y'all. I'd say learning new words, learning new ideas, it's a beautiful thing. But don't let it get polluted. And don't let it pollute you. You know, just because you've learned something new doesn't mean you need to put it into constant use. And it's like any skill. It's like magic. You know, it's like the idea of, oh, you know, if you're not trained properly in that form of spell casting, it can easily go awry and do far more damage than good. Well, words are, you know, at the core of magic. There's a, there's a reason why spell casting involves chanting and repeating a mantra. And so when you do use words, you are casting a spell. You're putting a thought into something. Anybody, think about this. When you say a word or, or express an idea and somebody hears that, that goes inside of them and they think about that. Even if they don't say anything, even if they don't even acknowledge you. I mean, you think about people who live on the street and they scream stuff. You're going to the grocery store and there's like a, a transient guy just screaming and you pretend not to respond, but you think about what he said all day. That's sort of a, almost like black magic. It's like a tortured soul planted a seed in you. And if you're strong enough, it's not going to get to you, but you're going to think about that, especially if he says something that's really unique. Man, like sometimes that happens to me where someone will just, like there was this lady who used to walk around downtown here when I worked downtown, and she would always say something to the effect, she would always, she would pause and look at you with just this contempt and this horror. And she would say, one time she said, you said I did what to children? You know, and you said I did what to children? And I didn't say anything to her. And, I mean, I, I still remember it. Because the look in her eye, there was such conviction. And I don't know what kind of delusions were going on. I don't, it could have been an all an act. It could have been a performance for all I know. But you think about anything you say, somebody's going to think about and potentially remember. And if that's not some form of spell casting, I don't know what is. So... When you learn a word, you know, you shouldn't, don't censor yourself. If you think an idea is interesting, talk about it. But I would say be very careful. Especially now that we have so many different ways to communicate with each other. And ways that tempt us to not think before we speak. Otherwise, you very well might be the one gaslighting somebody else. And in doing that, anytime you gaslight somebody else, you're also gaslighting yourself. And, you know, really, the final thought is this could be a children's book. 
you know, we all love children's books. And uh, I think this could really make for a great children's book. And maybe I'll be the one to write it, unless somebody hears this and beats me to the punch and then gaslights me by saying, I came up with it first. But maybe I'll be the one to do this, and it'll just be a ripoff. You know, even though I'm, I'm, I'm terrified here of somebody else ripping off my idea, maybe what I will do will be a ripoff of that famous book. I think it's called Everybody Poops. And there's a word I don't like. I don't like the word poop, but anyway, uh, there's that famous children's book. I believe it's called Everybody Poops, because I guess children are born horrified by their bodily functions as they should be. Guess what? I'm 34 years old. I'm still horrified by my bodily functions. I think somebody read Everybody Poops to me, too. Didn't help much. Didn't help much. Everybody Poops? That doesn't make it any less horrible. In fact, that makes it even more horrible. Horrible. But anyway, I think my book is going to be a, a direct ripoff of Everybody Poops, and it's going to be called Everybody Gaslights. Let's turn this thing into a movement. Get your children my book. Pre-order it. We'll be on Kickstarter next week. I want people to fund my book. Everybody gaslights. But jokes aside, it's the truth. Everybody does gaslight each other all the time. So just accept it. It's what we do. Along with pouring liquid rock over everything and letting it harden, otherwise we feel like we can't move around, can't go places without that hardened liquid rock. In the same way that that's one of our defining characteristics that makes us different than other animals, one of our other defining characteristics is that everyone gaslights, at least among this species. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free. 